1 Corinthians 11, the second part, which is about the Lord's Supper. We're going to be doing 1 Corinthians 12, which is the start of the chapter on gifted gifts. Uh, the reason for that is Kevin wanted me to do both parts of chapter 12 on giftedness in the body. So next week at Anthem Anywhere, you'll be, I think you're doing, looking at the Lord's Supper as part of that gathering. So that's why it's a little different today. Um, were you here last, who was here last week when I spoke? You survived? You've thought it through, no one's run away, good. Um, if you weren't here, I, w- I want to say good as well. <laughs> Listen to the talk, it was an interesting one. Um, but in these chapters 11 to 14, we are looking at uh, life in the body as we gather the church. So uh, this, begin- this part starts a new section on the spiritual gifts, which many of you would have heard about, I'm sure you've read about. Um, and so I want to just, we want to open it up a little bit and try and get a little, some understanding of how, who, what they are and how they operate. So let me read the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, first 11 verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, According to the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's a great text. I love this text. It's really important for us as as church, as we operate. Um... Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, that word spiritual gifts there, actually in the Greek there's no gift, the word gift is not in the, in the text, it actually just means now um, concerning spirituals, it's the Greek word pneumatikon, which is not the common word for gifts, we'll see later the, the common word for gifts is charismata, um, but this here he uses the word pneumatikon, spirituals, and it could, it could actually apply to people or gifts or things, Spiritual people, spiritual gifts, spiritual things all actually work. The translators decided to put gifts in, and I think it's most probably the, the best way to do it. Um, but we'll see as we talk that it actually, I think it applies to people as well. And I'll look at the next few verses. Important part to know about this, whether it's charismata or pneumaticon, the gifts are gender neutral. They never apply to men or to women. They're, they're just gender neutral. That means that everybody can work in all the gifts which might be interesting to you or not interesting to you. It's very interesting to me as a leader. Gifts are gender neutral. It's not a common word. And this word pneumaticon is is the word pneuma, which means breath, spirit, kind of has power to it, where you get a pneumatic drill. You know, it's the word pneuma. It's powered powered by the spirit, powered by breath, powered by air. And Paul says, I do not want you to be uninformed on this issue. Which means, using a negative, he's wanting to say, I really want you to get this. I want you to know why this is important when we talk about gifts. And it leads us into this next 
the next two verses where he talks about dumb idols and nobody can say Jesus is Lord outside of the Spirit. And you have to understand that they were in Corinth. Corinth is a major hub uh, within the Greco-Roman culture. It was on the thoroughfare from Greece to the rest of Europe. And there were many cults and different religions and, and temples to different deities that were in existence. And all of them had priests and followers. And they were all kind of supernatural. So you were finding in those places that people were prophesying in the name of other spirits. People were, there were healings that were happening. There was magic happening. Real supernatural magic. We just go back to Exodus. We look at Moses, and he's confronting Pharaoh. And Pharaoh brings out his magicians and his sorcerers, and they do the same things that Moses was doing. So there's a tapping into a spiritual realm, a supernatural realm, that can be outside of Jesus. And what Paul is saying here is if you want to understand what's happening in terms of the church, those spirits, those people, spiritual people operating in their spiritual gifts, cannot say Jesus is Lord. Because that's a phrase, a declaration that is the domain of the people of God who follow Jesus. It's really key. So we must be very careful that we don't get enamored by supernatural stuff. We want the supernatural. We love the supernatural because God works through it. But when we become enamored with the supernatural above the people who do the supernatural activities, we, we, we get ourselves into hot water. We have to know who are the people that are doing these spiritual activities. Are they the people humble of God who declare Jesus as Lord and they're under his lordship? Or are, they, are, are those tapping into some other sort of power? Um, whatever we do needs to elevate Jesus. That's a good test of what we do. It's a good test of who is a, a leader in God's church. Do they elevate Jesus, or do they elevate themselves? And I'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. So we can say, when he says, I want you, I want you to be aware of this pneumaticon, this spirituals, he could be talking about the people practicing, and he's also talking about the gifts that are in operation. Both of them are in play, so when we come to the church, let's be wise to that. Now when we jump into, chapter, into verse 4, sorry, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts. The same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. The word gift there is the word charismata, where we get the word charismatic, if you understand what that means in the church of Jesus. Charismatic is a part of the church that operates in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> By practicing that, I am a charismatic. That's my history as in, in the church. Um, <clears throat> But the word comes from the word charis, which means grace. So these gifts are grace gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church for His purposes. You cannot earn them. You can't pray and say, if I pray enough, I'll get the gift of prophecy. It doesn't work like that. Actually, I think the key to the gifts operating is availability. Say, God, will you use me? Rather than you've earned them, you've, you know, you've memorized all 66 books of the Bible, and now you've earned the right to operate in the gift of miracles. But that other person's only memorized 50 books of the Bible, so they can do minor healings. It doesn't work like that. Just throw that out of your mind. 
Um, but what I think Paul is saying is we need, we need the gifts, but you also need service, and you also need body activity to be happening to get a full rounded, a full orb picture of what it means to be the body of Christ. And all three of those are empowered by the triune relational God. He speaks about the Spirit, about the Lord, about God, which is a representation of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is not a proof text for the Trinity. It's a showing text how the triune relational God works, that this God empowers the church and empowers life in the church, whether it's through the gifts, whether it's through service and the multitude of activities that happen in church. We need all of that to have balanced whole church. If we only have the gifts, which we'll look at in a moment, we get imbalanced and we become a show. If you only have service, you can get just into doing things by yourself. You don't need God. We need all of that to make the church the church. Um, and this triune relational God, it's one of the things I love about being a follower of Jesus, that it's a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This triune God empowers everyone in God's community, everywhere they go, to be useful to the, the extension of God's kingdom. So what is a spiritual gift? Bobby Clinton, who is a professor of leadership at Fuller, old man now, he was one of my mentors, he said that a spiritual gift is a God-given, unique capacity imparted to each and every believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry through that believer. The purpose of the gifts is ministry to the body and outward. That's what it's for. It's not to puff you up for the sake of ministry. The other thing to understand in all of that is that as a, as a, as a follower of Jesus, as an individual, as a human being in the church, you're not, you don't just have spiritual gifts. You also have natural abilities. You know those? Anyone got, natu anyone got any natural abilities? Yeah. Can you name a few? Musical. That's a natural ability. It's not a spiritual gift. Now, there may be one or two people in the, in the history of time never been able to play, and God empowered them to play. That's wonderful. But generally, music's a natural ability. Any other natural abilities? Math-minded. Arts. Those are natural abilities. You're born a certain way. You lean a certain way. Your brain functions a certain way. Those are natural things. They're not gifts of the Holy Spirit. They can be used with the gifts of the Holy Spirit for good things. What's a learned skill? Playing the guitar. You don't get born playing the guitar. You can be born musical, but you learn a skill so that you, that gift can, or that natural ability can be used. You know? If you are a mathematic genius, a learned skill is Excel. For example, that's a learned skill. If you are, if you got a perfect eye for photography and you're artistic, a learned skill would be Photoshop, so you could enhance or whatever. When you take a learned skill, when I mean, you take a natural ability and add to it learning, where you grow in that, and then God empowers it, then you have real power in the body of Christ. 
Because suddenly, here's Casey, she's musical, and she stands up there, I'm musical, but is not trained, and just goes clang, 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 but she's musical, but it wouldn't be good, but she's trained herself to play the guitar. But now she's singing, and maybe God wants to use her through a prophetic song. That's a spiritual gift being added. So we, we, we get what we call a giftedness set. And it's important to begin to understand those in operation so that you can function well. You know? If you are not musical, please don't ask to sing in the mic. That's just the most stupid thing. It blesses nobody, not even God. You can, it means you can sing at the top of your lungs where you're at. Great, we want that. But just recognize different things. It's common sense. So we'll come back to that in a moment. I believe that every, if you let's look at verse 7 and I'll say this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Every single believer has at least one spiritual gift that they can operate in. If you say, oh, it's not me, I just have no spiritual gifts. I'm saying, no, that's not true. I'm going to qualify that in a way in a moment. But the key thing to the, in that verse about the gifts is not whether you have a gift or not. It's whether you want to use that gift for the common good. God has gifted you and pours out life in you through His Spirit for the common good so that we can grow up together to become a whole, complete body. We'll look at some of that next week, or the week after when we get into that part of the text. The gifts are given for the common good. They're not mine. I am the host to be able to use those gifts so that others can become everything that God wants them to become. So if you take all that we've learned a little bit there, and, I'm, and I am summarizing, here we have the gifts of the Spirit. The one thing is important that we have to see that they are under the Lordship of Jesus. Nobody can say Jesus is Lord who's not under the Spirit. They are under the Lordship of Jesus, therefore His purposes and His people to the glory of God. That's one side. The second side, they are not for show. They're not a sideshow. You know, they're not the circus. They're for caring and ministry and service to God's people. That's why I, 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 just, I find it weird when you switch on Christian television sometimes and you watch this stuff. It's like a circus tent. I don't think that's how it's meant to be. This is to the glory of God. We, the the hosts that are allowing the Spirit to work in and through us are meant to be humble and quiet and kind. Just let God get the glory. Um, does that make sense? So a question you should ask yourself is, does the use of my gift bring glory to Jesus or to me? It's a really good question. The other question asking that, is the ministry, I, the ministry I do to people, are they just merely the stagehands to my show? Or are they the recipients of the kindness and the love and the mercy and the healing of God? And when I watch sometimes on, on TV, and I see the, the ringmaster up there in his fancy clothes, and the people that come up for whatever, they just like, they just help his show rather than this is about Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm being a little cynical, I think. I apologize. I don't know how not to be when I look at some of that stuff. 
But I think because sometimes we see weirdness, we want to throw the whole thing out and we don't want to have anything to do with anything of the spirit and the supernatural because if that's what it looks like, I'm not interested. That's to our detriment. That's to the church's detriment that we throw out everything that God has given for the, so that the body can become whole and unified and complete and powerful. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, whenever you have things that, that can be showy, we have to be careful of them. And As a lead in the church, I've always said they're, they're, they're a group of people that you always want to be very slow to release them to public ministry. Prophets, preachers, worship leaders, rich people. There's another one that I keep forgetting. Because once you give someone a public stage, it's hard to take it away. So you want to make sure that the people that get a public stage is a sense of humility. We want to be kind to God's people. They want to serve God's people. They want to love God's people. So it was most of the people that have that have these have gifts flowing in them. But we don't want the gifts to get ahead of the character. Is that fair enough? It's really important. That's why in that beginning where he says the pneumaticon, look at the person and the gift. Don't let the gift get ahead of the character. It doesn't matter how gifted someone is. If their character is bad, do not give them a public platform. It will go badly. Rather give a humble, kind, loving, serving person the microphone because they'll grow into their gift. So, chapter verses 8 to 10 talks about these nine gifts, which we call power gifts they, that people use them because they're kind of powerful, upfront, and generally gifts. There are other gifts in the Bible that you can look about in Romans 12 and 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians 14 would, would fall under love gifts. We're like caring and hospitality and pastoring, all those. And then there's the word gifts of preaching and encouragement. All those gifts have to operate in cluster. All right? We, we're just sticking with the, these nine, which we call kind of the power gifts. They are given by the Holy Spirit for ministry. They demonstrate the authenticity, the credibility, the power, and the reality of the unseen God. That's what kind of they for. So let me say this. If you don't know this word, don't even remember it. If you do know this word, think where you fit in. But we are not, well, I am not a dispensationalist, which means I think the gifts all ended at the end of the apostolic year and they're no longer available to us. I am not that. Just go to Africa or I mean, you'll see, oh, there are no dispensationalists there. They would, we need the Holy Spirit. So just if you know that word, great. If you don't, forget about it. Let it blow away. A place where sometimes I might differ with some people on the gifts, and I'm saying this, and it's not a big contentious area. It doesn't really matter. But so many, some people believe that each one has a gift or two gifts, and you have the gift of healing, and you have the gift of miracles, and you have the gift of prophecy, and you have the gift of whatever. I don't think like that. I think that we, the gifts are available to all of us at any time as they are needed because they're empowered by the same Spirit. If there's no one sick here, we don't need the gift of healing to operate, but we might need the gift of something else to operate. 
I think that if we make ourselves available to the Spirit of God, say, God, here I am. I am your servant. Use me. God will use you, however, because His Spirit will come into you. Is that all right? If you, want to, if you think the other, that everyone has their own distinct gift, that's fine. It's not a, it's not a big issue. It's okay. Then we just got to all operate together and do it well. But I, really, I as a, individually, have operated in multiple gifts over time, not all at the same time, as they are needed. Um, so I just ask God to show you. Does he want to use you? Just, I'm available, Lord. If you were here, I don't know, two years ago, three years ago, we did a Thursday night on prophecy. I don't know if any of you were at that. And I handed everyone a card. And I said, if you feel something for somebody, write it down. And how, how often those were accurate. And we got up, and I think you were the first person to play, pray over someone, Casey. And I said, I feel I've got something, but you, you lead off with what you wrote. And began to prophesy, and then people, I felt that too, and began to add. And suddenly there was this building up of this word of encouragement to a person, because the body operated. We are apprentices, disciples to Jesus. It means we can workshop. We workshop the gifts so that we grow in them. Often we're so afraid. What, what, what if I'm wrong? It doesn't matter. If you're in the body and we care, then there's place to grow. It's like your kids. Should I cook or should I not? No, cook. But it could be horrible. Most probably will be. And I'll still eat it and say it's delicious. But you will grow. So where you have a spiritual gift, and this is where sometimes people think, oh, I have this spiritual gift. Often people want to exercise their gift more so they practice it. And they become more efficient in their gift. I think that is possible. So within your gift, you can almost get a learned skill by using that gift more and more and more. So is that all right? So if you believe this or that, it doesn't really matter. I think that we're, we can operate in all the gifts of the Spirit because it's the same Spirit. So there are a whole bunch of gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discerning of spirits, miracles, healing, What's the other one? Can't remember. It's there. They all these little things that operate, and they're all slightly different. So, for example, wisdom and knowledge. Do you know what the difference is? Ever seen did, did you ever see Jesus use any of those? Any ideas? When did Jesus use the gift of knowledge? Sorry? Woman at the well. Same example someone brought up at the first meeting. At the woman at the well. He said something. Oh, you've been married five times and the, and the man you're with now is not your husband. That's a word of knowledge. Why did he have that word of knowledge? He's got her attention. Now he can actually say what he wants to say. Remember Nathaniel in John chapter 1? He says, I saw you sitting under the tree when you were doubting. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I saw you. Surely you're the son of God. No, you missed the point. Now I want to tell you something about yourself. It's knowledge. So the, the example that someone gave me years ago, which makes sense to me, some of you know it, the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Maybe I've just broken your thoughts, thought it's a vegetable. A tomato is a fruit. That's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing that you do not put a tomato in a fruit salad. Okay, so you can know something. Wisdom is how do you exercise and help someone along the way. So remember when Solomon had the two women come to him with the one baby? 
What was he exercising there? Wisdom. Because he wasn't sure. He didn't have knowledge whose was who, but he exercised wisdom. God gave him a strategy. So we need those. Do you think we need knowledge and wisdom in the church? Yeah, yeah. I think we do. What's the difference between healing and miracles? What's a healing? Sorry? Healing blindness. So healing is uh, dealing with someone who's sick in some way and seeing them become well. So Jesus goes into Peter's mother-in-law. She's got a fever. He prays for her, and she gets healed. She rises up, and she serves them. You see, he had an ulterior motive to Jesus. No. <laughs> That's a healing. What's a miracle? Water to wine, and the church has been trying to change it back ever since. Can a healing be a miracle? Yeah. If you play, I mean, I've seen a miracle. I was saying to people in the first meeting where a man was born with a white eye. African man, he was in his 80s, so he had a white eye his whole life. See, out of the side, there wasn't even an iris or a pupil. In a group in the mission, we prayed for him, and then his eye was whole. That's a miracle. It's also healing. You know, uh, water to wine is a miracle, not necessarily healing. Maybe for some of you think it's healing, but the water got healed. But there's a difference. But we need these gifts to operate. Um, I'm not going to go into tongues because that's, that opens up a whole new thing. And whoever does that when they get to chapter 14 can deal with it. But I, th I think there are three different types of tongues just to keep that thinking through your mind over the next few weeks. Um, etc., etc. I don't want to go into all the gifts of what they are. Um, but it is worthwhile looking at them. You know, so knowledge. Prophecy would be the big one. That's what we've done. And prophecy is not magic tarot card reading. Please know that. It's not that at all. It's so that we, when we get into chapter 14 of this book, you will see it's so that the church can be encouraged and built up and comforted and corrected. We bring prophetic words. Sometimes it has a foretelling to it. Mostly it's just an encouragement. We can do those things. We need these gifts to operate. Um, please don't get into the paralysis of analysis, which is, I wonder what my gift is. Hmm, hmm, not sure. And three years later, I wonder what my gift is. Hmm. And five years later, I still quite haven't figured out. And you just go nowhere. Just begin to serve God's people. And with that is this understanding that everyone has baseline responsibility. Not everybody is a pastor. Would you agree with that? Does that exclude you from caring? No. You have a baseline responsibility. Everyone should care for one another. Some are pastors because they are equipping people, etc. Is everyone an intercessor? Maybe not, but everyone should pray, don't you think? Romans speaks about the gift of giving. Has everyone got the gift of giving? No, but everyone needs to give. It's a baseline Responsibility. Some, my wife has the gift of hospitality. But we all call to be hospitable. It's a baseline responsibility. Are oh, you getting the difference? So just get on and do what you're called to do, and God will begin to fill in the gaps and add to you as you step out. So if you feel, man, Lord, I would really like to prophesy, because it's really for the good of the body, and I, but I don't know how. Then get a few people together in your home group or your, your mission group, whatever you call them, say, I just feel like I want to pray. Could you help me? But you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to step out in kindness 
and say to someone, I think you're special, I love you, do you mind if I pray for you? I just feel God's burden. And then trust God. And then people help you along the way. Just start with the baseline responsibilities. Just start caring. You'll be faithful with that, faithful with a little, faithful with much. God will add. You keep using that wisely, God will add. You become pompous and arrogant, God will take away. You stay humble, God, these are grace gifts. God gives grace to the humble. Just stay humble. Just stay teachable. Lord, help me. I want to be of use in your kingdom, in, among your people. Would you help me? Does anyone know how to pray for the sick? May I use you as an example, Casey? Would you mind standing here? I would like to teach you how to pray for the sick this morning. One hand here, one hand here, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Amen. Thank you. That's how you do it. Someone's sick, can I pray for you? Is it your responsibility to heal them? Nope. God's responsibility, your responsibility to pray for them. Yep. So pray for them. If they don't get healed, are they worse off? No. Unless, of course, they die. But we have to see that this is not, the supernatural is used in the everyday natural way rather than, why don't you come up again, please, Casey? Uh, we say before, now, I, I, I need to pray for the sick. Oh. That's just weird. Just weird. I don't think Jesus is weird. Do you? I mean, he spat and put mud in the eye. That's weird. And then they still couldn't see properly. Did it again, prayed again, and they saw. Just be you. But don't add all the other stuff. Because it puts people off. And then, and then people say, I can't do that. So I don't want to pray for the sick. Only people who go, only they don't do it. Just pray. Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you heal Casey? You don't have to yell. If there's something you feel, you might say, oh, I need a fast beforehand. Maybe. But we, through who we are, we exercise in the gifts. You know? I've prayed for people when I, when I was in business. I'd pray for people at work who were sick. I saw someone got healed at work, right there at, at the desk. But I, not weird saying, man, I see, it was a girl had this big sty in her eye. Man, I see, that's, you know, I like to pray for people. Are you okay if I pray for you? No, I feel weirded out by that. That's okay. I'll pray for you in my, in my, when I go back to my office. No, 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 I'd like you to. Sure, I'd love to. Do you mind if I just put my hand on your shoulder? Is that okay? Yeah. Lord, would you just heal Jane right now in your precious name? Amen. Star was gone. We had lots of conversations thereafter. Just, just, be, just be you. Is that okay? These gifts are meant to be used by everybody for the sake of the body, uplifting the body. They're not meant to be weird. Remember, church wasn't like this three or two thousand years ago. Met in homes, sitting around the table. Oh, you're not well. Oh, Jesus. Can we just all join hands? Oh, Jesus, would you just heal Casey? Amen. But we've made it something else that it's not. Some people ask, well, why are we not seeing these things happen in, in, in the States? We hear about it in Africa and China and India and South America and Indonesia and the Philippines. 
Because there's a simplicity of believing that God is alive. Because if you don't, you die. Here, if you don't believe God's alive, you just work hard and make more money and you do fine. You go to the doctor. There, there are no doctors. You've got to trust. They believe, you know? So our prayer is, Lord, open our eyes to begin to see again that you're alive, that you are doing things in our midst. All these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who portions to each one individually as he wills. These are spiritual gifts. These are not things that you can drum up of yourself. These are the gifts of God when you make yourself available to be used by God towards his people or for the sake of his kingdom. Your natural abilities you can just use. So using Casey again, she's in the spit zone. It's interesting, nobody sits here. Have you always noticed that? Um, Casey could get up here and just lead worship out of her natural skills and her, learn, her natural abilities and learn skills and know the songs and we could sing songs together. But what we want is a sense of the prophetic worship. So I'm, ho I'm sure that before she comes, Lord, what are the songs that are you wanting? How do you want me to lead? What order should I play them? Lord, I'm praying that I'm ready to lead and be That's preparing yourself spiritually to use what God has given you for the sake of his kingdom. And that's all we really want. And when you go to work each day, Lord, here I am. Would you use me for the sake of your kingdom? Just use me in whatever way you can. Oh, there's a sick person at work. I'll pray for them. Someone that's really down. I'm just going to go and encourage them. See what God begins to do. You can start in the church. I think that two of the gifts that we really need to operate in the church right now, in, in our world, is one, the gift of wisdom, because the church is filled with knowledge. We all know a lot of things about a lot of things. We don't necessarily know how wisdom to apply all of that in every situation. So as we, especially if you want to be a leader, ask God for wisdom. Remember when Solomon became the leader of God's people, he became king? He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask. He got all of that, but he asked that he would be, have wisdom to lead these people. Wisdom is important. If you're a parent, would you ask the Lord for wisdom? Spiritual gift of wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes as you get older. Just because you've seen years, you've seen things. But there's a wisdom that comes by the Spirit of God. That's a different type of wisdom. The other one is the discerning of spirits. We need great discernment in the church. In in these days, to discern what is God, what is not God. I mean, in South Africa, we, we were infiltrated by witches and warlocks and all sorts of people wanting to undermine what God was doing. And gifts of discernment used to operate, and people literally call out people in the midst, you're not welcome here, and they manifest a demon. We need those gifts, because I think we think in America, no, we don't need those things. Yes, we do, even more. The gift of discerning of spirits is really important. I'm just putting that out there. That's a whole another set of teachings or opening up sort of things. But we need those things. Um, these, these Holy Spirit imparted gifts, if you just make yourself available humbly, Lord, here am I, use me. You know, be like, like Samuel. Here I am, Lord, use me. I'm listening. What have you got? Another text you'll read later says, when we come together, each one has. Have you read that text? 
What did you come with this morning to participate with? Or has the meeting become so formalized that there is no place to participate? That's a question we have to ask as well. But are you ready to participate? If I said right now, let's stop, minister to one another, are you ready? Did you come ready? Because that's what the injunction is. When you come together, each one has something ready to give. Are you ready? Or would you be scrambling? My guess is we'd be scrambling. My church too. Come ready. Because when you're ready, you're available. When you're available, God will use you. Even if it's not quite in the formal bit, God will use you. Um, this chapter, this bit leads into the second part of chapter 12, which we'll cover in two weeks, and how it all functions together in the body. Oh, you just have the gift of healings. I have the gift of miracles. I don't need you. No, we need each other. We'll, we'll come to that in a moment. Are you all on the same page? Anyone confused? Anybody want to run a mile and say, I just don't want any of those things in my life? Please, no. Can I encourage you to just go whenever you get an opportunity at home, you have your time, whatever you want to call it, a loud time, a quiet time, a devotional time, a whatever time that you have with Jesus. Would you say, Jesus, would you teach me how to do the things you did? Would you teach me to do them humbly and kindly and lovingly? When Jesus caught when the woman caught in adultery comes before Jesus and they, the, the, they, they bring her. Interesting, they didn't bring the man, hey? Have you ever noticed that? They only brought the woman. Very fascinating to me. Anyway, they brought her. Before he did anything, there was a sense of kindness and love in him and a patience. He didn't rush, oh, get all angry, just drew in the, they were, ah! He just drew in the ground and got them to quieten down. And then what did he do? Which gift did he operate in? Knowledge. Knowledge. Okay. Wisdom. Love. Wisdom. Because he just came up with a strategy. I wonder if he was, while he was tinkering in the soil there, he was thinking, Lord, Holy Spirit, how should I handle this? I wonder. The text doesn't tell us, but we can surmise a little bit maybe. And he said, oh, okay, I got it. How about you guys without sin, you cast the first stone. Taking the law, keeping the law in place at that point in time, and giving a word of wisdom, and they all walked away. Isn't that amazing? Just stopped. Slow down. Don't be in a hurry. Just slow down. You come to pray for someone who's sick and they're sick. If you wait a few seconds while you pray, they're still going to be sick, most probably, and nothing's going to get worse. Stop. Lord, what do you want me to do now? Then he says to her, really kindly, I don't condemn you. But, what? Go sin no more. He gives her a directive. Comes out of, she's seen his kindness, the humility, the way he dealt with it. Now, next time I might not be around to save you is kind of how I interpret that text. Just, Pretty well. He's exercising the gifts. There's a word, you know, when they're eating together, one of you here will betray me. 
exercising a gift. Like Jesus, like us. That's what N.T. Wright wrote. He wrote a little thing. It's a devotional. The Holy Spirit and the church working hand in hand. Uses the text. All of them from Acts chapter 2. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Let me just tell you a quick story, if I may. I told in the first uh, meeting. When we first started our church in Pasadena, we, we, for a while we were meeting in downtown LA in the old brewery section that would become an arts section. It's just off the five and main. We used to meet on the roof in this kind of penthouse rooftop that someone had. It's going to like buy drugs. You'd go up this windy staircase and into this weird elevator and it was all dark and then you came. It was beautiful up there. But God did some amazing things up there. But one night, I had a friend of mine, a very large American man, kind of lean prophetic, asked him to come and speak. There were about a hundred of us up there, all sorts of people. And he preached and it was terrible. As far as I can remember, no one can remember anything he said. It wasn't very good at all. Like today. But... He, at the end, he said, can I pray? And he began to pray, and he began to pray in tongues. Now, some people are nervous of tongues. Some say, oh, what is going to happen? And I was, just, I was just watching. And at the back of the room, like over there, there was this young guy in his early 30s, and he just started to shake, literally. I mean, and his eyes were wide, and he was, oh. Basically, he was a Jesuit priest who was studying an ancient Persian language. And there were, six, I think, six people in the world who understood this Persian language. And my friend was praying in tongues, was speaking perfectly in that language. He understood every single word he was saying. Surely God was in this place. Can you remember that ever happening anywhere else before? Acts chapter 2. People from every known nation, they all heard these people speaking in their own tongue. That's one form of the gift of tongues. It says this, The Holy Spirit and the task of the church, the two walk together hand in hand. We cannot talk about them apart. Despite what you might think, about, uh, think from some excitement in the previous generation about new spiritual experiences, God doesn't give the... Give people the Holy Spirit in order to let them enjoy the spiritual equivalent of a day at Disneyland. The point of the Spirit is to enable those who follow Jesus to take into all the world the news that He is Lord, and that He has won the victory over the forces of evil, and that a new world has opened up, and that we are to help make it happen. Equally, the task of the church cannot be attempted without the Spirit. I have sometimes heard Christian people talk as though God, having done what he's done in Jesus, now wants us to do our part by getting on with things under our own steam. But that is a tragic misunderstanding. Without God's Spirit, there is nothing we can do that will count for God's kingdom. Without God's Spirit, the church simply cannot be the church. How closely are you walking with the Holy Spirit? When you walk hand in hand, you can be the church and live God's mission. The last verse of Paul writing to, to the church in Corinth is in, in his second letter, and he says this. That's oh, right, Galatians. Let me go back to 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, two parts of the triune God, and the what of the Holy Spirit? Anyone know? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit means we're meant to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Holy Spirit, may we walk and work together for God's glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hope that was helpful. Hope you grew into something. I hope it'll cause you to want to go and open up those texts even more because there's so much that we did not open up, how each of those gifts function, what they mean, etc., etc. There's so much there. But that you would go and do that and say, Jesus, would you use me? Would, you, would, would I be like Jesus that he didn't start his public ministry until he was filled with the Spirit? Remember at his baptism? And then he was tempted and struggled and then he came out powerfully doing amazing things. God, would you use us for the sake of your kingdom? Amen. Thank you. Let's stand together.